Good morning, everybody. Uh, if you're on the stream on YouTube, uh, hello to you. Uh, my name is Toby, uh, and it's really great to be with you uh, all and all online as well. Um, before I get started, let me just give a, a quick shout out, guys, um, to uh, the Medeiros and the Ocredo family. Uh, I, I, I haven't been there myself. Any hands up, anyone who's been to some watch parties? Um, these families, uh, this is the third week in a row at least, that they've opened their homes uh, to people to come in. And as we are in this mode of church and uh, smaller gatherings, um, it's, I, I hear there's coffee, there's, I hear there's food, I hear there's hanging out till like Monday or something. So uh, I don't know, I, I'm stuck at the waypoint. Uh, but uh, really uh, thank you um, to them. And just a quick note, just, you know, of course, as Vic uh, is still away uh, during this time of sabbatical, you know, we're, we're gonna kind of stay in this mode in terms of being in different locations. So uh, that's at least for the uh, next few months, uh, what's ahead of us. Um, and just a quick note, a little update from uh, Loretta and myself. Uh, in February, uh, we were six months away from moving to British Columbia. And I thought, oh, six months, half a year, it's okay. Yeah. And then, and then I was reminded that February is a short month. And then March rolled around. And then like, it was like, oh, five months. And then there was something in me. It was like, oh, five months. Five months, we are moving our entire family to British Columbia. So um, this, uh, this coming Saturday, uh, all of us, all six of us are going to fly to Calgary. We're going to spend a bit of time with uh, my sister and family there. And then Loretta and I are actually going to, from there, go to visit Quinell. So we're going to be with Lawrence and Liz on the weekend of uh, the 18th, uh, 20th time. Uh, we're going to get a lay of the land. Um, obviously, Lawrence and Liz have been there uh, <clears throat> and, and they've gotten things started. But there's only so much you can learn from Google Maps. Like we've looked at Google Maps a lot. Uh, but to get on the ground there, uh, we are really looking forward to that. So thank you. Uh, some of you at CityGates anonymously and, and others have given towards to help us get there for this, um, this short trip. So thank you for that. Uh, that's ahead of us, um, and uh, we need we need prayer. Uh, our plan in August is to drive over, and so um, it's it's going to be hopefully not as epic as a road trip as Mike and Edwina had. Uh, they told that stories as as as, uh, they, as Mike was preaching through numbers, but if and, and we've never been on like a road trip that long. I don't know how far you've driven. <clears throat> we live in Markham, about half an hour away. Sometimes coming to Ajax is like, are we there yet, right? <laughs> that is the question. Are we there yet? Synonymous with road trips. And uh, we are in this series called One. We're going through every week one uh, book, one week, uh, because it's all about this one story. And we are five weeks in. And this five weeks happens to uh, be really important because the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch or the Torah, is foundational, is grouped together often as one scroll. And we've actually, we, we're leaving the Pentateuch. We've actually, amazingly, arrived. We are arriving in the promised land in the book of Joshua. And um, I think Mike was saying this is like a two-week trip that should have been a two-week trip turned into a 40-year trip. So Imagine answering, are we there yet for 40 years? So the fact that Moses, well, Moses actually didn't get all the way there uh, is amazing. And so here's, here's the interesting thing. We're going to enter the promised land. But if you look at your Bible, and I, and I hope you have your Bible, we're going to be flipping around. I can tell you that Joshua and the first five books are like this part of my Bible. There's still like a lot more to be said. So the question is, if they arrived at the promised land, what happened? What, like, what happened there that meant that the story needs to continue? And so we're, we're going to look at that by, by walking through Joshua. And it so happens that Joshua is uh, divided into four sections. We're going to spend a little bit of time in each section. Um, so if you have your Bibles, do turn to Joshua Chapter one, we're going to be reading uh, from the prologue, the kind of introduction. Uh, but as I do, I'm just going to, I'm going to pray as well. Um, so, Father, thank you uh, for this time that we have today. Thank you for the sunshine and uh, for the above zero temperatures. Um, Lord, we, 
we are people embodied and uh, sunshine and fresh air does really good for us. Lord, meeting in person does so good for us. So again, thank you for um, this opportunity to do that in our different locations. Lord, and as we open up your word, this ancient text written thousands of years ago, would you make it real and alive for us today? In Jesus' name, amen. So let me read. Uh, the first section is actually chapters 1 to 5, and this is about entering the promised land, entering the promised land. And so let me read uh, the introduction, which is Joshua, the, or the prologue, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. That Moses is dead. So that connects us with Deuteronomy. Moses is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people into the land that I am given to you, to the people of Israel, that place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Notice how much Moses comes up here. From the wilderness and this uh, Lebanon, as far as the great river and the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the uh, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause his people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law, uh, the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to it from the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way uh, prosperous, and then you will have good success. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Immediately as uh, this introduction serves you know, to, to enter us into the book, it, it tells us where we are. And we see that God is so kind to Joshua. He's so gracious to Joshua and to the people. I don't know if you've stepped into a role or a job where you're like, I am not qualified for this, right? Maybe it's a new job. Maybe maybe it's just a season of life where maybe you were entering parent or you got married or it was just the next thing. Some of us are in that stage where we're in that whatever sandwich stage where we're looking after children and taking care of, uh, taking care of parents. And it's just this new thing, and, and we have to step into this kind of new unknown. I, I mean, Moses was a, was a pretty great guy. I mean, he didn't make it all the way, but he, he, he did some amazing things. He's not the guy you want to follow up. And, and God is so gracious to, to Joshua. He's going to say to him, hey, he says to him over and over, be strong and courageous. Anybody wrote that down for themselves before? From, uh, from this, from this uh, chapter? Be strong. Be courageous. I... I'm with you. I'm for you. And this whole first five chapters is really this kind of replay. He's going to replay many of the things that happened in the past so that they would trust God. So so there's two spies who were sent to the land again. Remember, there were 12 spies at one point, but only two came back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb. So they're like, you know, this time just send two, just send two. And they bring back a good report. And they're on this other side. They're on the east side of the Jordan. They're about to enter the land. What happens? Um, it happens to be like springtime. And the text tells us specifically, there's like the, the winter melt is coming. And, and, and so the rivers are full to its banks. And what does God say? God says, you're going to walk uh, with a, the Ark Covenant, Ark of the, Ark of the Covenant, Ark of the Covenant. The, the priests are going to walk through and, and, and the waters are going to part. Does that remind you of something? Yeah, they, they, they did that once before. And, he's like, and God says, you're going to do this again. I'm going to show you again how good I am by replaying to you just in case you forgot. There's 
And then, and then from there, they uh, pick up stones from inside the river and they're going to then uh, 12 stones, one for each tribe. They're going to bring it over. They're going to put it in the camp and specifically um, look at uh, Joshua uh, chapter three, verse seven, just uh, a page over. It says this, the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you, Joshua, in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Joshua, I am with you. God is so kind here to say over and over again, I'm with you. That next step, I'm with you. He's kind to Joshua and he's kind to all the people. Look at chapter four. Chapter four, verse 21. And he said to the people of Israel, Remember, they, they, they're, they're crossing over. They said, bring these big rock bowler things, put it in your canvases. When your children ask their fathers in time to come, what do these stones mean? What's this pile of bricks about? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up for us until we passed over. Verse 24, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and you may fear the Lord your God forever. This is for you, but this is actually a testimony to the world. How good is the Lord? And, and as they uh, this, this, this people march over, they've actually already done a little bit of a conquering of the land and there's already rumors of like, oh my, there's this people coming. They trust this Yahweh God, and, and, and God is giving them victory. And God is so good to them. You know, um, uh, it's, it's true that hindsight is twenty twenty. Have you experienced that before? I mean, so often it is true. We need to look back because in the moment we are either blinded or blindsided or ignorant of how good God is. Hindsight is often twenty twenty, but... Can I, can I um, implore us, can I encourage us to open our eyes right now? Because if it is true that God is good in the present moment, and that yes, we can see clearly by looking back, then it's true right now. It's true right now. Some of us are still, I mean, we are literally, what is it? It's March. It's literally two years since we've had various stages of lockup and shutdown and like two years and there's so many like we want to just we'd rather forget i mean there's just a lot of lot there is there's huge losses but what if god has been doing something like it's not like god went on vacation and said i'm gonna deal with this corona and then let me come back what if right now what if right now still he is good but we're missing it what if right now he's actually growing us and he's maturing us guys i i i know that this this is not ideal this, this, all this is not ideal, but can I, I'm, I'm so thankful to be meeting together. I, 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 and, and what is happening in homes and, and again, what the, the hospitality that is happening uh, in homes, the, the care that is happening because of our circumstance is a good thing. There is good. There is growth in the moment that yes, maybe it will take another year for us to look and say, yeah, wow, there was growth there. But what if right now, God is saying, hey, pick up these stones, put it down, and remember, I'm good. I'm going I'm to show off through you, and I'm going to show off so that others can see how good I am. This is, this is the, these, these chapters of, of, of um, Joshua as they enter into the land. And just before, I mean, sorry, as they cross over, they're, they're going to go in the next section, uh, 6 to 12. They're going to do some battle. They're going to do some work. Uh, but just before that, the, the kind of mode that they enter in is at the end of chapter 5. So look at um, that with me. Chapter 5. This is another moment uh, for Joshua leading these people. It says in verse 13, it says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and, he, and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries or adversaries? And he said, this commander, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. 
Now I have come. And Joshua fell to his face to the earth and worshiped him and said, What does the Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord said, Army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I mean, this is this is a I mean, this is a little wild encounter. Like this does not have to be there. Like if we remove this and they just went, like that would be fine. But this somewhat mysterious commander, we don't know exactly who he is. What we do know, it's a reminder again of this meeting with somebody holy. Because remember when Moses was was at the burning bush. The, the bush called out and said, hey, take off your sandals. You are on holy ground. And again, this is this is another a replay reminder to say, Joshua, you are on holy ground. I am for you. Or sorry, I, I, I'm with you. And, and I am holy. And, and I am the commander of the Lord's army. I'm here. Uh, but you need, to, you, need to, you need to sort out your worship. You need, you need to orient yourself to who I am as you set into this time of battle. Um, Joshua was actually born Hosea, and, uh, which means he saves. And it was actually Moses in Numbers looked at him and said, actually, I'm going to rename you. Your name is now Joshua. Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. And it's, it's like he has this moment because, as, as you may know, this is Jesus' name in Hebrew, Yeshua. Jesus uh, is is the, the Greek version, and then we have the English version, you know, how all these things happen. Joshua bears the name of the Lord, as Jesus does. The Lord saves. And it's like he has, Yeshua has this moment with perhaps Yeshua, like the, the, the Yeshua to come, the, the, the Lord who saves to come. And he has this moment, and he bows down, and he worships. This next section, if you're making notes, this second section is taking the promised land, chapters 6 to 12, taking the promised land. A few weeks ago, I was chatting with Ryan. Ryan was preaching Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy already, there are texts about warfare, about holy war, about taking land. And two weeks ago, I thought, yeah, like this is definitely something we're going to talk about and we need to address uh, in a theological sense. Uh, And then, of course, with uh, everything that's been happening uh, over these last few weeks in Ukraine, uh, a kind of a renewed sense of, whoa, how are we making sense that as they enter the land, they are there to remove people. They are to kill people. They are to actually cleanse the land of people. Uh, this, this, is, this is tough. Like, it, it would be possible for us to not talk about this. And then hopefully you miss it in your readings and then we move on. Uh, but we're going to talk about this because I, I think we need to understand why, what does this mean that God gives these instructions? Uh, the first battle is Jericho. And maybe you have some recollection of that. That's when they actually, they do that marching thing around for six days and then they shout and the walls fall like that. That That is happening here. Um, and uh, specifically, uh, if you look at chapter six, uh, and then verse 16 to 18, uh, this is the towards that battle, in that battle. It says, and at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers, those two spies whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make uh, the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. So uh, how are we to understand this destruction and destroying language as they enter um, I have a number. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna flip through a little bit in in, in our in our Bibles, but um, uh, let's we, we let's do this work. Uh, number one, God is very specific, and so we read here that there is a specific uh, instruction with regards to Jericho, 
And then there's actually a specific instruction with regard to this promised land. The rules of war are different outside. We read that in Deuteronomy chapter 20. It's a specific word for a specific time. And actually, that is, that is what most or all of the Bible is. In the Bible, I've looked, Toby isn't there. There's nowhere where a verse says, Toby, do this. And, I, and maybe, your name, maybe your name is biblical. Okay, so maybe your name is in here. But that is to say, the Bible is written in such a way that is looking back and retelling and, and yes, teaching us. But we're always doing the work of interpretation and applying and thinking, okay, how does this apply for us or for me today? And so when we write down Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous, I'm about to go to school, like, or whatever, I'm going to write a test. We're doing some work of interpretation, applying words that were given to Joshua and, 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 and saying, God, this is for me. I'm going to, I'm going to like humbly, I'm going to take these words for me. But we're always doing the work of interpretation because what's recorded here is something very specific for a specific time. We're always doing that work. And God is very specific with regard to the promised land. So that's point number one. Uh, point number two is God is at work. Over and over again in Joshua, in uh, Deuteronomy, God is reminding them again, this is my work. Now, he's going to use Israel to cleanse the land, to get rid of the people, to destroy the idol worship there. But over and over again, God says, this is my work. Uh, we see that in, we saw that in verse 17 of chapter 6. And even again in chapter 1, verses 3, he makes it very clear. He says, every place uh, that the sole of your foot uh, will tread upon, I have given you. I have given you. Just as I promised to Moses. I'm doing something here. I'm, you're going to be part of it, but this is, this is me. And he makes that point in chapter 24 as well. The next thing we want to say is this. God is patient. God is patient. Could you turn with me to Genesis chapter 15? We're looking uh, way back now at the promise, one of those moments where God actually promises the promised land to Abraham. Who Abraham, he's way out. I mean, this is like, we're looking at four to 500 years ago. All right, this uh, is Genesis chapter 15. And I, and I have to say, I, I missed this. <laughs> In the past. But Genesis chapter 15, verse 13 to 16. He's renewing this covenant with Abram. He says this, verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. And in verse 15, for uh, as for you, you shall go down to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in good old age. And then 16, this is where we are. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. The Amorites were one of the people groups in Canaan. So, so this, is, this is what this little section is telling us. He's telling, he's telling Abram, this is going to happen. It's going to take a long time. And it, the last thing that uh, God says about the Amorites, this Canaanite people, is that their iniquity is not yet complete. That means to say, the Amorites, I'm giving the Amorites a chance for repentance and for turning. But I know it's not going to happen. But I'm going to be... I'm going to be patient with them for 400 years. All that is happening. We're going to talk about what's happening in the land. I'm not going to enact justice. I'm going to actually let it go. And even in that time, your people are going to be enslaved for 400 years. And it, it won't be till after they're enslaved. And then the 40 years in the desert that they will come to the land and then cleanse the land. God is actually very patient. He's not like, he's not abrupt. He, he, he doesn't just act out. As, I, as a parent, I, I do that. I, I enact justice sometimes too quickly, right? God is so patient. He's saying, I promise this land to you. And, but there, there are people there who are living against the way I, I, I want them to. But 
Uh, I, I'm going to use you, but I'm going to be patient with you. It's going to take a long time. But God ultimately um, is just. Because uh, if we look at Leviticus 18, you don't have to turn to that right now. Uh, what was Leviticus 18 tells us what were these people doing? They were living sexually immoral lives. They were um, sacrificing children. Uh, th- this was happening in the land. And so for 400 years, it could have been that these people were sacrificing children, living in such a, and worshiping idols. They were, they turned away from God. And this is the kind of warning that God gives to the people. He says, don't live like this. This is how they lived. And, and the land is literally vomiting them out of the land. That's, that's the, literally the language. I'm going to vomit them out of the land. Don't live like this because God is just. God is just. God is righteous. God is good. Uh, look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 9. Uh, we were just in Deuteronomy last week. Deuteronomy chapter 9, uh, verses 4 and 5. He says this, do not say in your heart, after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you, it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me into possess land. Whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations the Lord your God is driving them out before you, that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. God is just. God is righteous. And, and as Mike mentioned, as we pray for you, often we're stuck in our um, uh, fairly comfortable Western perspectives. Uh, we, we, I mean, and, and maybe now more than ever, we are aware of how stable and systematic our society allows us to flourish. We're seeing on the other side, of course, there have been many of situations around the world where there is just, there's chaos caused by the will of human beings. And in these moments, we're saying, yes, Lord, be just. Yes, Lord. And we and please read Psalm 10, read Psalm 9. Cry out to God for justice because we see injustice and we are calling out for it. This is the kind of God that he is. This is the kind of God he reveals himself. This is the kind of God we want because goodness is never just like giving you good gifts, but not getting rid of the evil things around. It's, it's not just like, well, this idea of like, oh, God is, you know, this guy in the sky. He's something kind of like Santa, kind of like this fatherly figure who just kind of gives you a, a hug. God is God. He is good and he is powerful and he's going to get rid of evil when he sees it. And we are calling for that as we look out into the world. And this is the situation that they're in right now. God is God. He gives life and so he can take it. I don't give life. I have no right to take it. God gives life and he takes it. I've had, um, I, I've had some of these, I don't know if you've had a conversation like that before where um, I tried to remind my children. It was, like, it was one of those like, "Do you know who I am?" Talks. Like, do you, Do you know? Do you know how I am? We We're different, you and I. I'm your father. I'm not your friend. And 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 I have to like remind them of who I am and who they are. It goes well for like three minutes. It really it goes real. It's so good for three minutes. And then uh, inevitably, uh, and and I notice that as children get older. They see your flaws. They're like, wait a minute. I see that. And it doesn't match up. Because there, there's just like a moment where I can say, hey, we're different. But actually, no, we're, we're pretty much the same. We're both sinners. We're never going to catch God. We're never going to catch God messing up. Like, oh, you, you said this, but you didn't do this. No, no, no. He is different. He is God. He can give life. He can take life. And he is good. And here's, here's the thing. In Genesis, uh, sorry, in Exodus, um, chapter 34. This is really, really important. Could you turn to Genesis chapter 34? God reveals to Moses that his name is I am, Yahweh. That's, that's where that, that meaning comes from, Yahweh. I am 
I am self-sufficient. I am. I, I'm not. I'm self-referential. I don't. I don't relate to something else. I am that I am that I am. I. I'm not self-referential. I have to relate to many other things to survive. Okay. You as well. He is. I am. And then he explains in um, verse six and seven of chapter thirty-four. The Lord passed before him before Moses says, "The Lord, the Lord." So I am. I am Yahweh. Yahweh a God of merciful and gracious. This is the God he is. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. He's so good. He's not going to let wrong go. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the children's children, to the third and fourth generation. This is like this is like the problem of the Old Testament. God's so good, He's gracious, He's kind, He's merciful, but He can't He can't let wrong go. What's He gonna do? And, and there's this tension actually in the in the Old Testament, particularly. We see that through the sacrificial system, right? They're constantly making sacrifices. But but the pic, there's this there's this really um, beautiful picture of it in Joshua itself, and it's in the two people, Achan or Akan and Rahab. In the next battle, so after Jericho, it's like, yeah, we did this. The next town or next city is I, AI. And they fail miserably. And it is found out that this man, Achan, actually did exactly what God said don't do. Don't take the gold or silver or money for his, don't do that. And they fail, and, and uh, God says to, to Joshua, somebody did not listen. Somebody, and, and it's found, Achan actually, he confesses, and when they come through, like, everyone's walking by. All right, what is it? And Achan says, yeah, I, I, I took it, I wanted it, I desired it, and then I buried it. It's buried in my tent there. And, that, and that's, that becomes not only his family's destruction, but from that moment, Israel loses that battle. God's just. He's 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 not. It's not like oh, the Israelites are special. They're they're really so special that I'm I'm overlooking their sin. No, not at all, not at all. And then on the other hand, guys, there's this picture in Rahab. Rahab comes uh, up in uh, chapter two, and it is it is phenomenal because Rahab is a prostitute. Rahab is a Canaanite prostitute, and she hears of this people this god of israel and she puts her faith in this god of israel and as we read she and her family are saved this is this is i've heard some um other parts of the bible describes it is so crazy it's either complete fantasy or it's true because you couldn't make this up after all the instruction to get rid of the land the sexual immorality that is happening to save a a a canaanite prostitute is completely well. And get this. Rahab is the first page of the New Testament. Rahab is a great, great grandmother of Jesus. It's wild. Rahab, not only is on the first page of the New Testament, she's counted as one who, a hero of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute. And then James goes on further. James says, hey, we're talking about faith and works. You want to see what faith and works is? Look at Rahab. She had faith, and then she worked because she showed it by hiding the spies. Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute. God is gracious. God is so good. And I know most of us would say, well, we are not where Rahab is. But guys, we don't deserve God's gracious and goodness to us. We cannot bend the, the arm of God in that. We cannot say, here's, look what I've done. No, 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 no. God is so gracious to us. That's why we're here today and and that god is god and that god cleanse the land in that time in that moment is 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 for for god to do is for god in god's goodness to to work out what we know is that he wanted to preserve a people ultimately what for his his promised future joshua to save jesus and now we are not a people of the land we are people sent out into the world we're not we're not streaming to one place but we're going out to uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all to the ends of it. That's 
the people we are now. This was a particular instruction for a particular time. They take the promised land. Uh, that's section two. Uh, section three in Joshua is dividing the promised land. That's uh, chapters 13 to 21. And if you like reading maps, chapters 13 to 21, it's for you. That is to say, if you like reading maps through words, uh, it's, it's actually quite, quite challenging. It's because we don't know the lay of the land, but it was really, really important because what was this? This was God saying, I, I've done this. I've brought you in. You, the 12, this, this, this 12, these 12 tribes, you've come in and they begin to divide the land. There's still much to be done. In chapter 13, it says actually, uh, Joshua was, was quite old already at this point. And they had done all these battles. And so it could have been actually decades compressed. Uh, and we hear these particular stories. Joshua's getting old, actually. There's more to be done. But uh, look at Joshua 21. Uh, Joshua 21. Uh, the uh, verse 43 to 45. Some uh, commentators said this is, this is like a really hinge point in what happens in Joshua. Chapter 21, uh, verse 43. He says, Thus the Lord Yahweh gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it. And they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest. Give them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers not one of all their enemies had withstood them. For the Lord had given uh, all their enemies into the hands. Not one word of all of the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. All comes up six times in these two verses. And it's this moment where God's saying, I did it. What I say I'm going to do, I'm going to fulfill. The promises I make are good. You can count on it. You can be absolutely sure about that. What I promised to Abraham, the covenant I made with Abraham, and I've seen you through all the way down to Egypt and out and 40 years in the desert and all these battles, I am doing it. I am giving it to you. God is good as they divide the land. And then finally, uh, in the last three chapters, chapters 22 and uh, to 24, it's resting in the land. Resting land. And, and this is where, of course, uh, this is towards the end of the book. Joshua is, is very old. He's going to die at the age of 110. And he's giving these final words of instruction uh, to the people. Uh, and th this verse also you may be familiar with. But uh, verse uh, 14 and 15 in Joshua 24. This is the last chapter of Joshua. He says this. Now, therefore... Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away all the gods. Hey, do not worship idols. Do not do it. Put away all the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt uh, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. So this is religious. Really God did it all, but we have a choice. God's promise, God's good. He's signed, he's sealed, delivered. But then Joshua says, today, you need to choose. Today. Whether you will, um, whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father, uh, gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites, so the people in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I usually bring a prop. I was really, I have a plaque. Do you have a plaque at home? This is for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Right? For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God's good, but he lays out for them. You have a choice to make. And there's this really interesting exchange. Uh, let, let's read it. It says, then the people answered, far be from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve their gods. Verse 16. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did all those great signs in our sights and preserved us all the way that we went and among all the peoples who, through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out people uh, before us and the Amorites of the land. Therefore, we, we also, yes, yeah, Joshua, we will serve the Lord. 
And in verse 19, this is what Joshua says, this, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do not and do you harm and consume you after uh, having done you good. He's saying, Joshua, I mean, I don't know if that's a way to leave. They're saying, no, it's not that easy. You can't do it. But then people say, no, but we will serve the Lord. And, you know, here's the interesting. Uh, as far as biblical uh, character heroes go, Joshua is actually uh, pretty flawless. He's, you know, Moses, he had his, he definitely had his flaws and eventually his anger caused him not to enter to the promised land. But everything we read about Joshua is, is pretty clean. It's like he was one of those two spies as a young man. He gave a good report and he was with Moses, you know, on the mountain at points in the tent of meeting when the tower, he saw Joshua saw a lot. And then he's the one to take the leadership reins and head into land. Joshua did very well, but you know what? He failed. Joshua ultimately failed to give them rest. And we, we need to look um, at Hebrews. Hebrews is in the New Testament. It's a book uh, by a person written, we, we're not sure who, uh, but it's certainly someone with a lot of knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures. Most likely he was Jewish Christian himself. Hebrews chapter four. I'm going to read from verse uh, six to 11, Joshua chapter four. He's reflecting on Moses first and how Jesus is the greater Moses. But then he continues in verse 6. Remember, we're talking about rest. God says, I'm giving you rest. And he says in verse 6, chapter 4. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again, he appoints a certain day, quote, today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And then verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. So that, not, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. He's saying, look, David, who wrote that psalm, was generations later. And David wrote, today, today, um, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He's saying, actually, there is a today for all of us. There is a today that we, we have this day that we turn to God and we, we want to do as the writer of Hebrews says, strive to enter the rest of God. The, the, if there's anything you want to work hard at, it, the, that word could be uh, make every effort, do your best, be diligent. If there's any work that you need to do, it's to enter into the rest of God. That's, that's, that's all the work that we need to do. And it has to happen today and it has to happen tomorrow and it happens to happen because you know what? While God's promises are good, God's salvation are good, my, my, my standing in him can't rest on yesterday. Do you know that? Because, guys, there is a battle. You know, last week, uh, Ryan, you know, spent uh, much time speaking of, of idols. And, and, and hopefully you have time to reflect on, on the battles that you fight, those, those often good things that we want so badly and that we actually end up worshiping and sacrificing for. Uh, there are battles of our sin and iniquity, um, of, of what the Amorites, you know, uh, battled through. There's so much pulling at us. And what Hebrews, looking back at Joshua, saying is, there is a today for you. There's a today for us. Because, you know, um, oftentimes the road away from faith, the road away from finding or resting God, sometimes is catastrophic. Sometimes it's a huge thing. And we're like, I'm out. But often it's a small step on a, on a little gradual road away from God. And it's step by step. And suddenly we find ourselves, we don't 
feel God's presence. We're not sure of what's to make in the world. I certainly don't want to like get dressed for Sunday. You know, we did that online and that worked okay. And we slowly, slowly walk away. And and what Hebrews is, is instructing us is that we need a today every day. Uh, in the waypoint here is uh, Edwina was just sharing a little bit, you know, about um, the, the the manna, the bread. Remember, they were in the wilderness and they had to gather manna just for that day. It wasn't like keep it stored up in the shelf. It was just for the day before Sabbath. You can get two portions, but that's it today. You need to make this effort today. Um, uh, on uh, October 3rd uh, last year uh, is when Lawrence and Liz came to visit us. Uh, if you were there, we were outside, you know. And that was, that today for us was a really, uh, a very first today of we're, we're, we're going to Cornell. Uh, Loretta couldn't make it that day and Loretta called me and said, hey, how did it go? I said, I said, we're going to Cornell. And, yeah. and she, out of my surprise, she said, okay. And there's a story that she can tell another time. That, that today, October 3rd, was also a day when um, our, our good friend, our pastor, church planner, uh, during our time in Tanzania, Sheshi uh, Kaniki, he passed away that day. And that, which, which means he's no longer fighting. That, that's one thing. He's no longer striving. His, his journey, his fight on this side is over. A month later, uh, Loretta got to visit uh, Tanzania to spend time with Trudy. And out of all the, the, the good things that came out of that, Loretta just saw that for Trudy, as she's now raising three boys with her, three teenage sons uh, without their father, still mourning, another daughter in the U.S., Every day meant striving and fighting for today. And look, every day, every moment was how can I rest in God? Because for her, of course, there was just so much pain to pull her away. And <clears throat> over and over again, she saw there was constantly a, a, a music, worship music in the car, on the, in the speaker, in the kitchen, in the phones. There were ministry times. There's still early morning prayer at the church and then ministry afterward and then hosting. She just kept going and going. What She was holding on to today. She needed the moment of striving today to rest in God. She needed it. We need to keep fighting. We, we, we can't rest on yesterday. And we can't, we can't just think, oh, I, I've, I've been in the church as long. I, oh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll make it. I'm good, guys. The list of people who have failed on their journey is long, is so long. And there are, there's fruit. Man, they, they, were, they were great preachers, but they failed. At some point, there today was yesterday. I preached that sermon. I, I led 15, 20 people, to, whatever it was. And some of them are big names that we know, but others are just friends and family who've just, who just, just, just every day, if it was a little further. We need that today, right now. We need it today, tomorrow. We need to encourage each other in that. I want to um, end here by just, I don't want to be, I'm not, I don't be sentimental, but I was thinking about this. Um, as we look, you know, for us, five months uh, BC and, uh, you know, besides the packing and the finance, you know, all, there's all these logistical things, obviously like saying goodbye and, and all these, I, you know, I was thinking of, um, I was, no, I wasn't gonna do this. Now I'm gonna. I was thinking about. I was thinking about Mike and Wiener. Do you guys know who? How good Mike and Wiener are? Now, here's the thing. I I want to be parents like Mike and Wiener. Maybe one day I'll be grandparents like Mike and Wiener. I want to host like Mike and Wiener. I want to be friends like Mike and Wiener. But having seen them up close and personal. I now know their secret. They take today really, really seriously. They take the today of resting and striving in God really, really seriously. Even uh, Edwina, you know, in our, in our uh, confession, I've shared how, how one of those moments was ruined by her own sin, and then she had to confess and confess the Mike again. They're fighting for every single day, and God willing, they'll keep fighting. 
And we 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 want to we want to not only see people like that and follow people like that, we want to be people like that. So that the gospel amnesia that Ryan spoke about last week, we would snap out of it and say, nope, today I'm recalling. And we need to do that for each other. And sometimes we're at that session where we, were, we, we received some training. This guy named Ted Sin, he happens to like know Tim Keller, who like we uh, uh, really, you know, often reference. Tim Keller often says, you need to preach the gospel to yourself. Ted Sin said, Tim, stop saying that. We need others to preach the gospel to us. We can't just preach for them. We need one and other actually to remind each other so that if there's a day where you cannot gather the bread of life and manna, that someone can come around you and say, hey, I have bread for you today. I have a word for you today. I have good news for you today. We need the urgency of living today because the people uh, who were Joshua, they rest. There was actually that momentary rest, but actually they did not enter that rest. They needed the urgency of choosing for themselves each and every day to rest in God. So let's let's uh, let's close with prayer, Father. We, Lord, I, I just I just. Um, I ask that you would do a work uh, through your spirit with your word and your scripture. Um, Lord, would the truth of what has been recorded over generations to teach us. Lord, we know first it was the Israelites who were looking back at their history. How was this history going to inform them? And now we as uh, children of Abraham, children of faith, children of God, Brothers and sisters of Jesus, the greater Joshua, the final Joshua who saves. Lord, we look back and say, wow, Lord, would you teach us? Would you instruct us? And just to finish off Hebrews chapter 11, uh, city gates. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Lord, we strive to enter rest into you that uh, the battles of sin and idolatry yes there are battles to be fought but we we do that when we're found in you and we can have victory over those when we're found in you would you use uh, each one of us around us in our community groups our friends spouses and so forth to give courage to one another we pray this in jesus name amen amen Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Uh, and in the homes, I hope you guys, uh, the stream was really cool and, and smooth. And uh, we'll see you again next Sunday.